Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Do you want to thank R&B Car Company, locations in South Bend and Warsaw? R&B Car Company are your used car experts. Find them online at rbcarcompany.com. Uh, Elkhart, I must admit, I was wrong about you. <clears throat> I expected this to fail this time around. It did not. Uh, I expected, I, I should say, I expected the referendum to succeed, and I expected you to fail <laughs> this time around. Let me, let me clarify. You didn't. You did the right thing. You did not vote for the Elkhart Community Schools referendum. Um, and per however everything goes uh, in, in uh, local school districts, they're out there once again kind of feeding you a line. Now, yesterday, we, of course, went over how many South Bend residents realized that the South Bend School Corporation lied to them when they told them that we were just going to you know, ask you to pay basically for the price of a pizza. That's it. And a bunch of people started to realize, hey, hundreds of dollars in property tax hikes. That's not what we were told was going to happen. And that's what I told you was going to happen because basic math Uh, But again, the basic math that the South Bend Community School Corporation was putting out there was inaccurate, which is something that it frustrated me endlessly, but I wasn't surprised about when we first talked about it because the superintendent was out there literally giving you a bad math problem and telling everybody that, don't worry, it's just the cost of a pizza. Well, people are upset now that South Bend schools did not just ask for the cost of a pizza. They asked for hundreds of dollars in new tax revenue per person, per homeowner. And uh, renters have to pay that now, too. And those are all things that that people, you know, they feel like they were betrayed. We were lied to. Right. Look, this is why you need to pay attention to this stuff. This is why you can't just have the position that you're either pro or anti-kid. Okay? Um, I love my daughter's school in Elkhart. I've loved the teachers that she has had in Elkhart. That doesn't mean that Elkhart Community Schools deserves a pay raise. They don't. Frankly, they're extremely well-funded. And that's the thing that also frustrates me. South Bend did the same thing. Uh, they go out there and they tell you, we're not funded. We're, we're uh, one of the least funded places in the country. No, you're not. You're funded better than most places in the United States. I've been over these numbers many, many times. I'll go over Elkhart's again today. But when people get fooled and then they get upset, and they point out, you know, South Bend residents were doing this uh, this past week. They go, hey, you know, we're upset. We were lied to here about this. This raised my taxes a lot more than people were saying. What was the response of the South Bend School Corporation? Well, we tried to explain it as simple as, as we possibly could. You're just too stupid to understand. That was essentially what they said. We explained it as simple in terms that anybody could understand, and you didn't understand it, so Sorry. Too bad. Give us your money. So the reaction after South Bend schools lied to everybody and fooled everybody, except me, after they did that, and then people got wise to it when they got their tax bill, South Bend School Corporation's response to that was, well, you're all too stupid. Sorry, pay us money. That's everything wrong with government. Everything wrong with it. So now let's take a look at Elkhart. A $120 million referendum for Elkhart Community Schools failed Tuesday. Unofficial results show 3,766 people voted against the measure, while only 2,075 voted for it. We've ended up with our community telling us, ironically, on Teacher Appreciation Day, oh, you poor babies, 
that our teachers and our staff are not worthy of the pay increase to where we can get them to be competitive with other districts. That is Dr. Steve Thalmeyer. Uh, no. No, Superintendent. That is not what the people said. Not at all. You lying hack. The people are okay with teachers getting pay raise. They just want you to cut wasteful spending elsewhere first. Really is that simple. It's not that hard. And it's not that difficult. If you're a man and you're willing to go ahead and go through the budget. But you're not. Because no school district that I've ever encountered who has asked the people to pay more money has been willing to go through this. Not a single one. Multiple states, multiple superintendents, multiple administrations, multiple counties. They all come up with the same exact excuses. And then they intentionally target kids and parents when things don't go their way. That's what they're going to do. The referendum would have raised property taxes by an average of $119 per homeowner. That money would have been used for teacher pay increases, out-of-pocket costs for health insurance, and student transportation. We're already $3,300 behind other school districts. Okay, we'll get to that in a second. The new state dollars will allow us to get closer to where other districts are, but those districts are going to be able to take their new districts and go to a higher position. You're not competing with other districts in the state. The only competition you have with those other districts is retaining your students because the parents don't want them in your district. And they don't want them in Elkhart Community Schools. And they don't want them in South Bend Schools. They want them the heck out of those two school systems and in any other school system that they could possibly think of. That's the reality. And so instead of taking a look at it and going, all right, what are we doing wrong? Why can't we compete with school districts that are right next door? Why are parents taking their kids out of ECS and going next door? Why is that? Why is it that they have less money per pupil and yet they outperform us so much so that parents in our districts want to take their kids out of our districts and go next door? But you don't ask those questions, do you? Because you make it all about money. Okay. Let's take a look at the money, shall we? For those of you on the live stream at trovo.live slash Casey, the host, this is nces.ed.gov. This is the National Center for Education Statistics. This is the federal government's website on school funding and data in the United States. This is the Elkhart Community School System page on the federal government's website. Now, you've got 12,464 students in the latest details that are available from the 2017-2018 school, school season. That's what you got. So you got 12,464 students. I believe that is less than the previous year. It breaks everything down. How many instructional aides do you have? How many teachers do you have on average compared to the state, compared to the national average? You know, what's, what does all of this look like? How many of them are in kindergarten? How many of those teachers are elementary? How many of them are secondary? It goes through all of these statistics, okay? Total revenues, $171,463,000 for the 2018 school season. That is $13,278 per pupil that Elkhart Community Schools has. I want you to remember this number. Because this is the number that everybody, every single school district lies about to parents. Every single one of them. You got three funding mechanisms for schools. 
You got the federal government, you got the state, and you got your local. The lion's share comes from the state. That's where it always comes from. Elkhart Community Schools, $13,278 per pupil. That's how much funding they have. Now, it actually shows you where they're spending that money, too, in the expenditures. So Elkhart Community Schools has $13,278 per pupil to spend. They spent $11,832. Okay? If you go through that, uh, almost 6000 of it is instructional expenditures. Then they've got $1,176 in administration. They've got uh, over $2,100 in operations, food services, etc. Uh, student and staff support is just under $1,000. You get the idea. They break it down so you can see where the money is actually going. They've obviously got construction costs and maintenance and things like that. Those are all factored into this. This is all on the federal government's website. And here's the best part about this. You can go to the National Center for Education Statistics, and you can look up each school district, and then you can look up each school district by year. So you can see how their funding changes from year to year to year. $13,278 is the amount of money that Elkhart Community Schools has to spend per pupil. Do you know what the national average is according to the same 2018 statistic? In the United States of America, the national average is $12,612 per pupil. Which means Elkhart has, because remember, $12,612, Elkhart is at $13,278. Elkhart Community Schools gets more funding than the national average. And they're over here sitting here on the local news after their referendum failed, rightfully so, telling all of you, oh, we're $3,300 behind everybody else. No, you're not. You're not even close to being behind. You're actually way ahead. That's the problem. You're way ahead. And you're out there on the news. Well, unfortunately, uh, the community, ironically, on Teacher Appreciation Day, is telling everybody that they don't believe the teachers deserve more pay. No. In fact, if you were to poll the same people who voted no on that referendum yesterday, I'm willing to bet the vast majority of them say, yeah, absolutely, give the teachers more pay. But, you know, maybe, maybe make some cuts elsewhere, though. I would love for my kids' teachers to get more money. But that's got to come from you. Because you've got to grow up and you've got to do what the hard work is and actually budget. God forbid you should actually have to budget. But you're choosing not to. Instead, you're choosing to attack parents. You're choosing to attack students. You're choosing to attack the community in a perpetual cycle to rob people's wallets instead of making actual proper budgetary decisions. And then you run to the news and you lie to everybody about it. That's why people keep voting no. And they look right next door and they see Elkhart Community Schools, or excuse me, uh, South Bend Community Schools, lying to everybody about their referendum. And then the response after people catch them in that lie, going, wait a minute, you lied to us. Yeah, you know, we, we made it as easy for you to possibly understand. Sorry, you're so stupid. That's why people are frustrated with this. Elkhart Community Schools is a well-funded school district. In the, in the course of things in the United States, they're also way more funded than Indiana, by the way. The average in Indiana. The average in Indiana is just over 11000 per pupil. So Elkhart Community Schools gets more funding than the, than the average 
school district in the state of Indiana, and they get more funding than the average school district in the entire country. And they're out there telling you, we're way behind. Everybody else has more money than us. Not true. You have the money. You're just wasting it. It's like when people get jobs and they make more money, but they can't seem to get out of debt. And it's because they keep buying more expensive things instead of actually paying off their bills. That's what ECS is doing. So instead of doing things properly, and instead of getting to a point where maybe there's a major repair or something of that nature. All right, major repairs come up. All right, hey, look, we need a one-time stipend. We had a roof cave in. We don't have the extra discretionary money to pay for it. Uh, We need a one-time stipend from the taxpayers. It'll be this year and this year only. That's it. We will not extend it. Uh, This will be a one-time thing. We're not going to try and and hose you on the back end and make this thing a perpetual tax hike or anything like that. We need to do what we can to fix the the roof of the school because your kids go to school there and it's important. Uh, If you would do things like that when things came up, instead of just trying to scam people like you're doing, it wouldn't be a problem. You just straight up lied to everybody in the news. Lied to everybody. You're not behind anybody. You're way ahead. But you're choosing to demonize parents by saying that they're basically attacking teachers. They're not. You're the one that's choosing not to pay teachers more. You're choosing to do that. You're choosing to spend money elsewhere instead of putting it in the pockets of teachers, instead of covering insurance costs for teachers. That's what you're doing. Parents aren't doing that. People in the community aren't doing that. You are. You're the man in charge. Buck up. Own it. Budget the way that you're supposed to budget like a damned adult and stop going after everybody and attacking them when things don't go your way like a dang little two-year-old throwing a hissy fit on the playground in one of your schools. This is ridiculous. We've got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Indiana, current, 2021 per pupil funding. Remember, all of the data that I just gave you was for the 2018 school year. But in Indiana... The 2021 per pupil funding is $10,262. $10,262. Elkhart's over 13000 So everybody is, is crystal clear on this. And like I said, what, what, is schools district, what do school districts always do when it doesn't go their way? They immediately attack the parents. They attack the voters. They attack the, the community. The same community that they appeal to we, we, we desperately need you. Please come to our aid. We have to have more money. We have to be able to, to do certain things. Please, please, please give us more money. And then right behind your back, they call you names. They intentionally try to deceive you. They lie to you. I can't count how many times over the years that I have covered this. I almost left radio many years ago before I came here. And I almost left radio because a local news outfit wanted me as an investigative reporter. And the reason they wanted me as an investigative reporter, because I was the only person in the entire city of Las Vegas, Nevada, who covered how Clark County School District spent their money. One of the largest school districts in the entire country, one of the most corrupt, one of the least successful school districts. And what do they do? Money, 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 money. We're only failing because you're not giving us enough of your property taxes. It's constant. It's nonstop. There are certain things that every school district in the entire country will lie to you about. One is the voucher or school choice programs. 
They will tell you that they are taking money away from public education. They are not. They're a net benefit to, to public educational funding. For example, if you have a student going to Elkhart Community Schools and they're getting $13,000 in per-pupil funding for that student to go to Elkhart Community Schools, and the parents say, you know what, school's here, not doing so good, I don't really like the environment, um, I'm, I'm not very fond of the, the way that my child is being taught, I'm going to go ahead and use the voucher program in the state of Indiana, and I'm going to choose to take my kid elsewhere. And let's just say the state of Indiana says, all right, well, you can take $7,000 in a voucher, and you can put your kid in a private school or whatever, okay? So a parent then does that. So you have ECS was going to get 13000 but now the parent has taken 7000 of that away. So what ECS says is, we're losing, we're losing $7,000. Yeah, but you're gaining all of the other money that still goes to you while that student is using a voucher program. That's all money that you're getting for free without having to deal with the student at all, without having to educate the student at all. It is a net benefit. They will lie to you about that. They will lie to you about property taxes. They will lie to you about all of these things every time they, they want money, every single time. And they will never go over their budget, and they will never prioritize teachers in the classroom. They will always prioritize all of their little side pet projects first. And don't, don't you worry. Administration, make sure they get they, their pay, too. They make sure they get their pay. Then the teachers, at the end of it, then they go ahead and they throw in some money for the teachers. More coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Well, racist Democrats are refusing to accept the resignation of a racist Democrat who is just being a racist Democrat. Go figure. It's another day. It's another racist Democrat scandal. Air quote scandal, uh, because it's never a scandal when, when they do it. Texas Democrats have refused to accept the resignation of an official who called Senator Tim Scott an Oreo. And here's a here's a thing. What are the uh, what are the Democrats up to as far as the number of black senators that they have? Two. Because there sure was a lot of articles, a ton of articles. Republicans only black senator. Um. Yeah, Democrats don't have a lot of black senators either. Like I said, I think they're up to two. That's kind of where we're at. But I digress. <clears throat> None of the other Republicans or conservatives that you see on a regular basis who are not white, who happen to be black people, um, none of them count as black either, according to liberal Democrats or the news media. They're all, they're all fake black. They're not really black. They're inauthentic, right? Which is why they all get called the same things that Senator Scott gets called on a regular basis. And here's the thing, Senator Scott should be one of the best allies for them, but they won't allow him to be. Senator Scott has pointed out how he's been stopped by Capitol Police. Senator Scott has written crime bills that address a lot of the concerns that many Democrats have in their own legislation, but they shoot it down because they don't want a Republican to be the author of that bill. That's the reality. So Gary O'Connor, who called Senator Scott an Oreo, which is, of course, a racial slur, apologized for insensitive and inappropriate remarks. The 
governor of Texas demanded that he step down. He offered his resignation, but the Lamar County Democratic Party, uh, which is an extra special wing of the Democratic Party, by the way, the Lamar County Democrats are um, horrendously awful people. But they have refused to accept the resignation of the party chair, Gary O'Connor, for using a racial slur against Senator Tim Scott. Uh Uh-huh. Mr. O'Connor apologized and submitted his resignation on Tuesday for his Facebook post describing Mr. Scott as an Oreo, but party representatives said that the smear was incompatible with his core values, according to a statement provided Wednesday to the Washington Times. On May 24, 2021, representatives of the Lamar County Democratic Party met to consider the resignation tendered by the party chair, Gary O'Connor. Our local Democrats have taken the last few days to reflect upon this incident. You don't reflect upon the incident when a Republican says something racist. It's an immediate visceral reaction. There are demands for apologies and resignations and firings and parades and all sorts of stuff. It's an immediate visceral reaction. You even do it to a man like Don Imus, who had spent his entire adult life making sure that inner city black kids had an opportunity to get onto his ranch and be around wild animals and stuff. But you couldn't allow that to happen because of the, the basketball player comments that Don Imus made. Suddenly, Don Imus was basically a Klansman in spite of his decades of service to the inner city. After much discussion, especially among our local black Democrats, oh, yeah, okay, we chose not to accept Mr. O'Connor's resignation. Mr. O'Connor has written a public letter of apology to Senator Tim Scott and Lamar County Democrats join him in this apology. O'Connor then expressed gratitude for the party's support. Now, let's just back up for just a second. Do any of you think that it would be acceptable to the Democratic Party if a Republican had called a black Democrat an Oreo because they didn't like what they had to say? And then that person said, you know what? I shouldn't have called that Democrat an Oreo. I'm sorry. My apologies. Do you think the Democrats or the left or CNN, or MSNBC, or anybody in this country would find it acceptable that a simple apology was all that came from that? Do you think they would find it acceptable if it were the Republican Party who said, you know, we're going to take a couple of days and we're going to consider this? No, you'd have Jake Tapper and every other idiot on cable news out there saying, what do you need to take a couple of days for? He said something racist. Fire him. Remove him immediately. That's what everybody would say. And then if the Republicans came back and said, you know what? He apologized for his racist comment against the black Democrats. So we're good. We're going to join that apology. But ultimately, we think the apology was good enough and we're not going to let them resign. They're going to still be the chair of our party. There would be mass condemnation all over every publication you could possibly think of. Every screeching, pasty, white liberal in Hollywood would be losing their minds and pulling their nose hairs out. Every single one of them. But black Republicans aren't really people. So it's okay if you treat black Republicans as less than people. See, it's okay if you do that especially if you're a Democrat. 
and you're not going to get into any trouble. You're not going to have to resign. You're not going to be punished. You're not going to be disciplined. Nobody's going to get angry at you if you don't do any of those things. And you can even keep your job as the chair of the party. Although chairs of local Democratic parties who get caught doing things highly inappropriate almost always tend to keep their jobs. Kind of interesting how that always happens. By the way, go to allnaturalcbd.org. If you have minor aches and pains, fibromyalgia, arthritis, uh, if you work out, get muscle soreness, that sort of thing, go to allnaturalcbd.org and use my promo code KZ10. Pick up some of this lotion. This lotion is phenomenal. This CBD is, it's almost an immediate pain relief. Usually it works within three minutes for me. That's generally, you know, it's less than three minutes. I've had it take up to three minutes. Sometimes it's been almost immediate. just depends on the pain. You take it, you rub it on. It's a lotion. It comes in in lavender scent. This is a natural lavender, not that artificial lavender smell. Or you can get an unscented. You can get 250, 500, or 1,000 milligrams of full-spectrum CBD. Do yourself a favor. Just get the 1,000 milligrams and just rub it on. It's a lotion. It'll soothe. It'll moisturize your skin. It'll deliver uh, pain-relieving properties from the full-spectrum CBD that are in it. And this is a company that is an American company. It's a local company, and it's veteran-owned. Go to allnaturalcbd.org. Use my code, promo code KC10 to save 10%. More coming up, 95.3 MNC. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. All right. What else do we have here? Uh, Trump blasted big tech as a total disgrace. Uh, Facebook, the oversight board, continued their ban on uh, Trump today. No big surprises there. Uh, Former President Donald Trump did not take the recent decision by the Facebook Oversight Board lying down. He blasted big tech as a total disgrace in a statement following the board's decision to at least temporarily uphold a ban on his account. And it's it's a ban. It's it's not a suspension. I think uh, they can review this in what, six months? Is it three months or six months? Whatever it is, they're going to air quote review it. Uh, What Facebook, Twitter and Google have done is a total disgrace and an embarrassment to our country, he said. He's right. Uh, Let's see. Free speech has been taken away from the President of the United States because the radical left lunatics are afraid of the truth, and the truth will come out anyway, bigger and stronger than ever before. He then encouraged Americans to hold big tech accountable for meddling in the election process. He declared the people in our country will not stand for it. These corrupt social media companies must pay a political price and must never again be allowed to destroy and decimate our electoral process. Uh, So, uh, now again, this all stemmed from that 24-hour suspension that ended up becoming a big deal, and here we are months later. So, look, this is is the type of thing. This stuff has to stop. This is why Section 230 needs to go. Uh, First of all, I'm just going to say this. It should be against the law for you to be able to block on social media any elected official. Just going to say that the actual social media companies should not be allowed to censor government officials. Sorry. And I, there's probably going to be a lot of uh, the libertarian conservative minded folks out there going, no, 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 private platform. No, shut up. You're stupid. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. No. If you are in the town square and that's what social media is now. Okay. That's the town square. It's not City Hall. You can't go to City Hall and have gatherings and stuff anymore. Um, you got Biden out there saying, 
I don't really like bikers. You know, veteran bikers scare me because I'm a frail old man who likes to sniff the hair inappropriately of children and women as I roam the streets and sneak up behind people. And so I don't want them to be able to have a Memorial Day ride. Now, the Rolling Thunder Memorial Day ride that they usually do. No, he won't grant them any permission on that. So you can't go to can't go to city halls anymore to do this stuff. Uh, a lot of places are not even granting permits for people to gather and be able to even have these events. There is really no town hall anymore for people to go and discuss issues because now you have to have a permit. Got to have a permit. If you don't have a permit, you can't you can't discuss anything. So the town square is on social media. That's where it exists. And if you can't even have government officials being able to spew whatever it is that they want to spew, and let's be perfectly honest here, the overwhelming majority of what government officials spew is nonsense on social media. So why you would suddenly just pick one person to go ahead and censor, even though they've censored several Republicans, but I'm talking about like permanently, we're going to take him off. They take a one person, that's a bit problematic. Now, of course, CNN came out and they want him, oh, just just totally ban him now. Don't even have this whole process coming out there. Yeah, you know what? If you ban Trump, ban CNN. CNN's still out there spreading lies. Uh, several stories this past week were fake news stories. So go ahead and ban CNN. CNN shouldn't be able to have a social media presence either. All CNN does is, is spread conspiracy theories if it were real news. If you're on Twitter for crying out loud, the vast majority of CNN's own staff, all they do is troll anybody that they don't like or that they disagree with. And they write little fake articles about all of them. So don't let them on there. I mean, you just had the Washington Post and the New York Times and NBC News. All of them had to retract stories about Rudy Giuliani this week. And they all independently verified the original Washington Post story, which was a lie. So they shouldn't be allowed to be on Facebook either. Look, nobody is afraid to engage with a lunatic who's not telling the truth. But if you're afraid of somebody having a voice, you're the oppressor, you're the one that's deceiving people, and you're the liar, you're the threat. More coming up. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Do want to thank R&B Car Company, locations in South Bend and Warsaw. R&B Car Company are your used car experts. Find them online at rbcarcompany.com. Well, well, well. So you come back from COVID and... There becomes an abundance of things to discuss. And so we didn't get a chance to get to this one yesterday. Derek Chauvin is seeking a new trial after being convicted in the death of George Floyd. Of course, we knew this was going to happen anyway. Former police officer Derek Chauvin is seeking a new trial after a jury last month found him guilty of second-degree unintentional murder, second-degree manslaughter, and third-degree murder in connection with the death of George Floyd. Again, I still have huge, huge issues with those three charges, but I digress. The cumulative effect of the multiple errors in these proceedings deprive Mr. Chauvin of a fair trial in violation of his constitutional rights. The filing states uh, the denial of a motion for a venue change was one of the various issues raised to argue for a new trial. But see, there's this other little thing that happened. You may or may not have heard about this. 
uh, one of the jurors, one of the jurors straight up lied to the courts. They are actually an anti-Chauvin protester who advocated, ladies and gentlemen, advocated getting on juries to promote change. In other words, this person who has protested against Derek Chauvin on behalf of George Floyd, but then lied and said that he didn't, wore shirts about get uh, get your knee off of our necks, Black Lives Matter, that sort of thing. He lied to the court about all of that, but he also advocated specifically lying your way onto juries, getting on juries in order to manipulate the system. Minneapolis, Minnesota, the first juror to go public from the murder trial of former Minneapolis, Minnesota uh, police officer. Derek Chauvin advocated doing jury duty to, quote, spark some change in society and participated in George Floyd protests in the nation's capital last August. Brandon Mitchell, who was juror number 52, had been making the media circuit, talking about his experience deciding Chauvin's fate and promoting his podcast. Well, I know what that's like. My critics love using me to promote their podcast, too. In the process, Mitchell advocated using jury duty for social justice purposes and revealed that he may have had an agenda. When the Hennepin County District Judge Peter Cahill questioned the jurors who had already been selected after the city made the largest pretrial settlement in U.S. history with Floyd's family during jury selection, Mitchell said that he hadn't heard anything about it except the trial dates. Now, like I said, there's some blame that goes to the defense here as well for accepting these jurors. But um, if anybody in the George Floyd case said, I haven't heard anything about this case, that's probably somebody that you dismiss because you know that they're lying. You know that they're lying. Judge Cahill asked juror number 52 whether he heard anything about the George Floyd civil case. This is what a KMSP reporter, Paul Bloom, tweeted out on March 15th. He says no. He explained hearing some basic info about trial dates, etc. from the news in recent months, but nothing that would keep him from serving as an impartial juror. During jury selection... The juror, Mitchell, said that he had never even watched the entire video of Floyd's death. But once the trial was over and Chauvin had been convicted on all three charges, it turns out that Mitchell had engaged in activism. Pictures posted to social media by a family member showed that Mitchell had actively participated in anti-police protests in Washington, D.C. last summer while wearing Black Lives Matter t-shirts that said, Get your knee off our necks. His uncle, Travis Mitchell, posted the picture to Facebook on August 31st. The next generation being socially active, representing in D.C., my son, Marzell, my nephew, Brandon Renee Mitchell, and brother, Maurice Jontinus Johnson, he captioned the post. Mitchell was the only juror so far from the trial who has gone public, uh, who was actually there, an alternate juror did, Uh, The alternate juror who said, I thought that Chauvin was guilty, also admitted that she was worried that the whole city was going to burn down. So he has been giving multiple interviews 
various media outlets. He used those interviews to promote his own production, The Wholesome Podcast. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> let's see. He also went on a morning radio show, Get Up with Erica Campbell, on April 27th, that he believed jury duty should be used to bring about societal change. No, it shouldn't. Your job as a juror is to weigh the evidence and base your decision upon the evidence and the law. That's not to change everything. Not to try and adjust society and society's moral compass. Not to go after somebody who, frankly, there's no evidence that Chauvin did any of the things that he was convicted of. He says, I mean, it's important if we want to see some change, we want to see some things going different. We got we to gotta into these avenues, get into these rooms to try to spark some change, he said. Jury duty is one of those things. Jury duty, voting, all of those things we got to do. Okay. So, <clears throat> now this is a guy who lied to everybody about what he knew about the trial, how he felt about the trial. He's admitted to wanting to use juries in order to not, not, not make sure that somebody who is innocent is found to be innocent. He also wanted to make sure that there's some societal change that happens as a result of jury duty. That's what he wants. That's, uh, that's pretty twisted stuff. Now, this, along with a bunch of other things that we knew were going to be cause for uh, the trial um, to be, for a motion for the trial to be dismissed, uh, and that's exactly what has happened. So they're seeking a new trial for Derek Chauvin. Uh, this is just the latest example of why that should probably happen. But just in case anybody thought that, that that jury and that trial was impartial and fair to Derek Chauvin, just in case you were under that delirium. Now, anybody who's reasonable will understand that that is clearly not the case. I wonder what that guy was lobbying like inside that jury box. I wonder what he was, uh, what he was like with the other jurors. Just kind of curious. All right, ladies and gentlemen, um, before we take a quick little break, I got to tell you about Faber's B Window. Uh, first of all, windows are extremely important to your home. Not only do they, well, they increase the value of your home, they obviously improve the look of your home. You can even get windows over at bwindow.com that will match the paint. You can get hardware that'll match your decor. They have all of these custom options for you available, but they also improve the energy efficiency of your home. In the summertime, it's going to keep the cool air in and the warm air out. In the middle of winter, you can keep those cold winter breezes out of your home so you can retain the heat so your family is more comfortable. No more moisture on the inside of those windows and, and that sort of stuff, which can lead to mold and all sorts of uh, sweating and, and not being able to open your windows, things like that. It's a mess when you don't have the right windows. Trust me, I know. I, am, I have been down this path many times. But if you go to Faber's B Window... They've been turning jury homes into dream homes since 1983. They have over 60,000 customers. They've done over 600,000 windows. They're a family-owned and operated business, 
And right now they offer um, discounts of up to 50% off, plus special manufacturer rebates, plus 24 months, no interest, no payments. All you've got to do is go to bwindow.com. Let Faber's B Window know that I sent you. And they do more than just windows. They've got doors and siding and porch conversions, even bathroom remodels. A lot of people are choosing to do those bathroom remodels right now. I know a lot of you are selling your homes. I know a lot of you are trying to refinance. You're trying to get the value of your home up. And now might be a great opportunity for you to do that. Bwindow.com. Faber's B Window. Let them know that I sent you. More coming up. 95.3 MNC. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Impress Jewelry Creations. Mother's Day is coming up. You want to get mom something nice, right? Some of uh, some of the moms out there might want to get something nice for themselves. Because maybe the gift giving doesn't go so well on Mother's Day. Who knows? Impress Jewelry Creations has got tons of great options. I have told you for a long time now about the IJC collection. That is their in-house collection. These are totally unique, one-of-a-kind pieces of jewelry that are made by the craftsmen and women over at Impress Jewelry Creations. And nobody else has it. No awkward dinner party moments where somebody across the room has the exact same piece of jewelry because you all got it at the mall. Nope, you don't have to worry about that with the IJC collection. And they've got some of the best designers available as well. And they've got it for all different price points. And in fact, because Mother's Day is coming up, there's a special offer for you MNC listeners out there. If you spend $399 on any new purchase in store at Impress Jewelry Creations, not online, but in store, you can receive a complimentary gift of your choice from LaFon Jewelry, valued at up to $150. They've got these platinum layered over silver stud earrings. They've got shimmering pendants and everything else. LaFon is a, a really good, um, like all budget type jewelry company. Just fantastic stuff for, for all budgets. And if you spend $399 when you go in store at Impress Jewelry Creations, you can get a piece from LaFon as a gift from Impress Jewelry Creations, valued at up to $150. So if you want to get a gift for mom and then help the kids get a gift for the wife, vice versa, uh, what have you, get a gift for yourself and still be able to get a gift for mom, you, however you want to do this, okay? Go to Impress Jewelry Creations and do that. Now, here's the thing. This is only in store and you have to mention me and this ad when you go in. If you don't, you're not going to get it. So you got to go into Impress Jewelry Creations. You got to say, Casey Hendrickson sent me from MNC. And I want to do this, uh, you know, this $399 special that you have going, but you have to hurry. Okay. This is while supplies last and it ends on mother's day. So make sure you talk to Bill Martin and his wonderful staff over there. Let them know that I sent you impress jewelry creations is on university drive. They're in Granger next to Judy's and C Kramer interiors. You can also get their address on their website at impressjewelers.com. All right. What else do we have here? Uh, oh, yeah, Coca-Cola. <clears throat> Coca-Cola, uh, let's see, their chief lawyer who had demanded race quotas for attorneys uh, and then resigned has been rehired for, um, ready for this, $666,666 a month. Man, <clears throat> that's some privilege right there. That's, uh, that's, that's six digits of six privilege. That's, that's a that's a lot. That's a lot of privilege. Uh, <laughs> Coca-Cola's chief attorney 
responsible for orchestrating a plan to demand race quotas in outside counsel, resigned and then was rehired by the CEO on a $666,666 per month salary. This sounds like fake news. Bradley Guyton resigned last month as general counsel of Coca-Cola. Guyton said that his previous position as chief, previous position as chief lawyer for Coca-Cola was responsible for creating a plan that would place penalties on outside legal counsel if they failed to meet racial diversity quotas when working for the company. They announced this in January. Uh, Gayton Guyton uh, said that all law firms must commit at least 30% of build time from diverse attorneys and at least half of that time from black attorneys. Huh. Well, that doesn't sound like it's even the right quota. I digress. However, following his resignation, the plan has been put on a temporary pause with a spokesman for Coca-Cola saying that his replacement, Monica Howard Douglas, will be reviewing the plan. When there is a leadership change, it takes time for the new leader to review the current status of the team, organization, and initiatives. That is Scott Leith uh, from Coca-Cola. Monica is fully committed to the notions of equity and diversity in the legal profession, and we fully expect that she will take the time necessary to thoughtfully review any plans going forward. Mm -hmm. Now, following the pause in the diversity plan, uh, most people are expecting that this thing is going to be salvaged and it's going to be there. Uh, But apparently uh, this Gaten remains employed by the company. In spite of resigning from his position as chief counsel, he is currently contracted as a legal consultant to Coca-Cola's CEO, James Quincy. He was hired with a hefty sign-on fee of $4 million and a monthly consulting fee of $666,666, according to securities filings from April 21st. <laughs> um, yeah, so there, there's... <laughs> This has got to be a troll like that, uh, the rapper with the shoe, right? This, <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, let's just keep him on, but we're just going to make sure that it's all sixes and just kind of tweak people. That's what we're, <laughs> we're going to make his salary that. Oh, and here's $4 million for your trouble. Uh, what a world, huh? It's <laughs> I go away for a couple of days, and it's, I swear it's like the, the march towards... Everything awful that we're sliding to just gets worse and worse and worse and worse. What else are you going to do? I'm not done with you yet. Got plenty of absurd things to talk about coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Well, the great family shame continues for the Hendrickson family. Our uh, distant cousin, Anderson Cooper, embarrassed himself by trying to host Jeopardy. You could forgive him for thinking that he could host Jeopardy. After all, 500 former Jeopardy contestants continue to write letters beclowning themselves, proving that, in fact, uh, they are able to memorize a bunch of useless information, but they are not at all bright. So, for those of you who don't know, distant cousin to Anderson Cooper, uh, and like I said, he's, a, he's a, a huge embarrassment to the family. We, we've disowned him. Not very, not very uh, happy about him in the bloodline, but 
He hosted Jeopardy and he set the record for the lowest ratings of any guest host in the entire show's history. Ow. I mean, that's, that's gotta hurt a little, right? Like you take, you take, you take over a show. You probably think you're really popular because you got a bunch of yes people in your studio telling you how amazing you are. You go to all the cocktail parties with all the wife swapping and husband swapping and shower buddying and all of that stuff, right? You, you do all of that stuff when you're inside the, the cable news circuit. And everybody is so busy puffing themselves up and puffing each other up to be super popular and everybody loves us and our farts don't smell and all of that stuff. And here he goes on to Jeopardy, which is a bastion of woke idiots and nobody wanted to watch him. This is why we don't have them over for Thanksgiving. We don't even want them around. Uh, see, it looks like Sony Television, Sony Pictures Television won't be asking Anderson Cooper to permanently take up the Jeopardy mantle anytime soon. Uh, I wouldn't be so sure of that. There's a lot of people who get jobs in Hollywood in spite of the fact that they are not popular. Most late night hosts, for example. The silver-haired CNN anchor pulled the least viewers of any guest host since Alex Trebek died of pancreatic cancer last November at age 80. In fact, Cooper scored the smallest audience of any guest host on the show's history. Not just since Trebek died. Ever. According to ratings information obtained by The Wrap with the 53-year-old Cooper at the helm, the long-running series dropped 7% from the week before. When Green Bay Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers stood behind the iconic podium. Did Aaron Rodgers try and host this thing? Y'all know he's stupid, right? Have you talked to his ex-girlfriends? <laughs> Casey, they're just disgruntled women. I'm not so sure. Have you heard Aaron Rodgers string two sentences together? Because it's bad. He's <laughs> Anyway. Even Dr. Oz, who variety columnist Daniel Diodario accused of uh, giving the show a black eye attracted a bigger audience, putting it up a 5.2 share in his first week to Cooper's 5.1. Dr. Oz is more popular than Anderson Cooper. And I don't like either of them. And I love the fact that that happened because I know how much Anderson Cooper hates Dr. Oz. <laughs> because <laughs> you know Anderson Cooper went in there. I can almost guarantee, in fact, I will bet the safety and well-being of my board op, Josh, I will bet that Anderson Cooper told everybody around him, I'm going to beat Dr. Oz at least. Can't be that bad. As long as I beat Dr. Oz, everything will be fine. Oof, but he didn't, did he? <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Uh, oh, by the way, the show is no longer at the top of the game show heap. It has fallen behind Family Feud as a result of Anderson Cooper. Um, see, this is... <clears throat> I don't often say controversial things. So here's here's my, my little warning to you. I'm going to say something a little controversial. 
And I know that you're not used to that, so I have to give you fair warning because I'm always just one of those easy, level-headed guys who never makes any kind of controversial statements. Alex Trebek died a long time ago. It's time to hire somebody to replace him. Enough with this weird, awkward, uncomfortable parade of guest hosts. I'm going to say this again. Alex Trebek has passed away. And it's sad, and it's tragic, and a national treasure has been lost. But it is time to move on and stop having an endless parade of fill-in hosts. Looking right at you, Premier Radio Network. Like I said, I don't say controversial things much. But when I do, they're importante. I'm sorry, but I just love the fact that he lost to Dr. Oz. It just, that brightens my day. The great shame of my family has shamed us further by losing to Dr. Oz. But on the other side, you know, Family Feud is, is now the top game show in the country. Which doesn't say a whole lot, because let's be honest, you don't have to be very smart to be on that show. Got more coming up, News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. All right, this is an actual question. Another thing that I don't often do, stop the show to answer listener questions. An actual question, how would one convince their wife to let them get an Indian motorcycle, asking for a friend? Uh, The answer is you go buy it because you're a man and you can do whatever you want. That's what. As long as you got the money to do it, go buy it. Don't even tell her about it. Wait until she notices that you have a motorcycle. And then when she says, hey, 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 where did that come from? Oh, yeah, I picked it up on sale. It was was a good deal. You weren't going to tell me you're going to get a motorcycle? No, why should I? Well, motorcycles are dangerous. Yeah, well, so is being married to you, but I did both. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Look, uh, here's the thing. Just say, hey, sweetheart, uh, what do you think? Can we get a motorcycle? You know, is it in the budget? And if she says no, get one anyway. That's all. Don't live your life afraid. Live your life the way that you want to live your life. You can't let somebody else's fear tell you to not do something that you love. Really is that simple. And make sure you take an abate course. Please take an abate course before you even get one. Just take an abate course. Make sure you like riding a motorcycle. That's the big thing. A lot of people will take an MSF or an abate course and they realize motorcycles are not for them. So take it. Make sure you actually do want one. Um, And then, you know, if, if an Indian is it, I'd recommend you buy a used one first. But if Indian's what you want, uh, get it. If you already know how to ride a motorcycle, then, yeah, I, I highly recommend it. I love them. Absolutely love my Indian. Um, and I love what they're doing with the new line of, of uh, motorcycles, too. They're absolutely fantastic. But, you know, hey, there you go. <clears throat> Casey, I'm going to, you're going to cause a divorce. As long as he gets the motorcycle in the divorce, it doesn't really matter, does it? He's coming out ahead. I <laughs> 
This isn't hard, okay? This is just basic math. Uh, but I, ser- in all seriousness, take a course. If you're, a lot of people have been asking me about riding motorcycles lately. Um, take a course because there were some people that I have seen in some courses who have decided I don't want to ride a motorcycle. Uh, I thought that I would, loved the idea of it, finally got on it, and not for me. Even if they graduated, there was a, a couple of people that I knew that graduated and said, yeah, you know what, I just, I'm glad that I did it, uh, but I don't think that I want to ride a motorcycle. So I do recommend that you take the course because, one, you need those basic skills anyway. Don't learn on your new motorcycle. Please don't do that. Go take one of those courses so that way you can learn on their motorcycles and... Um, yeah, I mean, just take it slow and enjoy yourself. That's, that's really it. So it's not, there's not, there's not much there. I mean, it's either in you or it's not, uh, it's in me now. It has been for a very long time. And I can tell you that one of my great life regrets was waiting as long as I did to get a bike. Plain and simple. I waited entirely too long. Why? Cause my mom didn't want me to have one. Uh, then my girlfriend didn't want me to have one. And my wife didn't want me to have one. And I waited and waited and waited and waited. And then when I finally got one, I really wish that I had ignored everybody for many, many years and I had gotten one. I really do. So um, don't waste any time. If you want to ride, ride. Nobody can tell you not to. They have valid concerns about your safety. Assuage those concerns as best as you possibly can. Uh, My friend was hit at a red light and killed. So I wear a vest that has impact gel on it because the injuries that he sustained by being hit at that red light were the type of injuries that this vest is designed to prevent. That was the agreement with my wife that I wear the helmet and I wear the vest and I wear the vest and I wear the helmet. And it has luckily so far been good for me. So um, in all honesty, in seriousness, obviously you don't want to have a major purchase like that without discussing it with your spouse. Uh, but I would present it in a way that would alleviate uh, as much fear as, as they, they can. And don't live your life afraid to do the things that you love to do. Otherwise, you will not live your life. And it's not one of the things that will come back. This, this happens a lot is, well, you have kids. Right. And I don't want to teach my kids to not live their life because of being afraid. Now, I have no doubt, I have no doubt, it tore my family up tremendously when my friend got killed. But I have no doubt that he had a giant smile in his face that whole morning riding to that light where he got hit and killed. I have no doubt in my mind. And, you know, it is a risk that we take every time we get in our vehicle. It's a risk we take every time we go to work. Uh, For those of you out there who have dangerous jobs, it is certainly something that you risk every single day. Uh, But I can also tell you that riding a motorcycle is one of the most satisfying and rewarding feelings that I have ever had in my entire life. And I would not give it up or trade it for just about anything. And I sincerely mean that. Now, for a lot of people, that is not the type of feeling that they get from it. For others, motorcycles are life. And if you take them off of a motorcycle, they might as well die. I'm somewhere in between. But if you are interested in a motorcycle, first thing you need to do is take a course. Before you buy a bike, before you commit to it, before you even have a discussion about buying one, take a course and make sure you actually want to do it. Two and a half days, you'll learn 
if you want to ride a motorcycle or not. Really is very simple process. Um, and if you come out of that thing going, I have to ride a motorcycle. This is clearly something that I have to do. All right, there you go. That's your next conversation. And sometimes, I've seen this happen a couple of times too, the spouse needs to take the course also. Because a lot of people have an unreasonable fear about motorcycles and they they need to learn to ride themselves so they understand what you'll be going through and, and some of the nuances of riding a motorcycle that um, maybe the average person who's never ridden wouldn't fully comprehend or understand. Uh, and it can be really beneficial for them. So if the two of you can take it at the same time, even better. Uh, if you've got no kids, it's perfect. If you've, got, uh, if you've got kids, you might have to stagger them up a little bit. But yeah, if the both of you can do that at the same time, it's, it's going to go a long way in being able in being able to have them understand what riding a motorcycle is actually like versus what is ever, whatever's in their head. Because it is a very different thing being on a motorcycle than what most people imagine it to be. And I'm not going to lie to you. There is an inherent risk with being on a motorcycle. A lot of that risk comes from the rider of the motorcycle themselves. So uh, don't be an idiot when you're on the bike. And then watch out for the idiots that are around you. And if you do that, most of the time you're going to be okay. we got more coming up, 95.3 MNC. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. I just had a whole discussion during the uh, news break about helmets and motorcycle safety and people asking some questions and me offering what advice I can. And um, this is another thing that has kind of come up quite a bit. It, it has, honestly, since I did the Elkhart Indian endorsements and got the bike and everything else. And for the, every time I ride, I run into somebody who, who recognizes me. Um, but, yeah, we need to do a ride I think we need to have some kind of a listener ride at some point here in the near future, uh, in the summer. And so let's, let's do that. Uh, it doesn't even have to be a sponsored thing. It's just, you know, we'll just, I'll throw something up there on social media one day and we'll just all go and, and ride around and do some cool stuff. Um, you know, scare some people, scare the Bidens of the world out there who get scared of motorcycles. You remember Biden just, uh, denied the permit for the rolling thunder, uh, Memorial Day motorcycle ride in Washington, D.C. to honor military veterans. But, you know, he, he nope, not going to approve them, doesn't want them around. Yeah. Those, darned, those darned people and their motorcycles are scary for little old men, especially when little old men live in houses they don't belong in. Uh, Josh, I sent you a piece of audio a little bit earlier. Would you kindly do me a favor? And play that audio for the audience right now, please. Who are the groups who are targeting on the vaccination? Youthful and the doubtful. And there is an attitude that they'll be fine. Why should they take the vaccine? Maybe you will get a long-haul syndrome that we're not really sure what it is yet, but a lingering consequence of COVID. Or maybe you go home and kiss your grandmother and wind up killing your grandmother. Oh my, oh my goodness. That was Governor Cuomo at a news conference moments ago. Who okay, all right, so you can go ahead and cut it out now. 
All right, so that is uh, Governor Cuomo, who killed 15,000 grandmas and grandpas in New York. And he is, uh, I, I believe, second only to uh, Herr Whitler over in Michigan. Michigan has the worst recovery in the pandemic of any state in the Union. Of course, she copied Cuomo. Uh, but she, you know, she upped the ante. She took young, sick people and put them in retirement communities. That was so sweet of her to do. Uh, the reaction that you got was Fox News's Harris Faulkner. <laughs> if you if you have not seen the video of her reaction, you have to. I don't know that I have ever seen a news person's eyeballs get that big. They were massive. And she is sitting there, she's looking at it, and she's going, holy smokes, I can't believe he just said that. You have to understand something. Cuomo is so delusional. His whole stupid family is delusional. He's so delusional, he still doesn't really think that he did anything wrong in spite of the fact that he was hiding all of these things that he was doing. He thinks he's moved beyond it, even though there's still an investigation into him and his conduct when it comes to the nursing homes. And I still have serious questions about Governor Whitmer trying to diddle her former health director, which is why she's paying him off with six-figure payoffs and non-disclosure agreements and things of that nature. (laughs) Gotta be honest, man, there's just a lot of weird stuff happening in Michigan. But the people on on Twitter who were reacting to Cuomo's statement, basically what he was doing is he was talking about, uh, you know, the people who don't want to get the vaccine, you know, are essentially uh, young people. And and then, of course, you know, just other people who don't know any better and that sort of thing. And so his whole idea is, look, if you don't get the vaccine, then you might, maybe you go home, you kiss your grandmother, and you wind up killing your grandmother. Well, why didn't grandma get the vaccine? That's that's the part of the equation that's missing here. If grandma got the vaccine, then the young person having COVID wouldn't be a problem for vaccinated grandma. Unless, of course, grandma chose not to get the vaccine. I suppose that's possible. I did read an article today that Walgreens and CVS, like combined, like the two of them to combine, have wasted more vaccines than any state. Thought that was interesting. So, yeah, go figure. It it, it is what it is. New York Times is running articles um, complaining that Pfizer is making money because Pfizer's made like $3.5 billion in the uh, first few months of the year because of the vaccine. And New York Times is trying to shame them for making money. It's... Uh, Dave Rubin said, breaking actual grandma killer has no sense of irony, self-respect, or decency. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Harris Faulkner, though, (laughs) when he said that, she came right back to her show and she says, "Um, yeah, okay. Oh, geez. It was one of the best reactions you're going to get. A court has struck down the sanctuary policies of East Chicago, Indiana, 
ruling that they have violated a statewide ban on sanctuary jurisdictions that seek to protect criminal illegal aliens from arrest and deportation. So East Chicago, Indiana was uh, a sanctuary city, and the court struck down those policies. Late last week, Judge Thomas Hallett of Indiana's Lake County Superior Court ruled that the sanctuary policies adopted in East Chicago in response to President Trump's pro-enforcement agenda violated the state's 2011 law that bans sanctuary jurisdictions. And, and here's, here's the thing. The state doesn't even need a law that bans sanctuary jurisdictions. It's illegal for you to do that. It's illegal for you to be a sanctuary city. We are pleased that after extended litigation, the court has recognized the obvious fact that such ordinances are illegal in Indiana. That is attorney James Bopp Jr., who represented residents Greg Serbin and John Allen in a statement. There must be no such ordinance in Indiana, and those in existence are clearly in violation of Indiana law. Uh, Yeah, and, and U.S. law aside from that, but I digress. The Immigration Reform Law Institute, the IRLI, Uh, which also represented the plaintiffs in the case, had originally helped craft Indiana's statewide ban on sanctuary jurisdictions, which requires local law enforcement to cooperate with ICE agents. Sheltering illegal aliens from immigration authorities not only flagrantly violates duly enacted Indiana law, but represents a serious public safety and national security risk. That is the IRLI Executive Director Dale Wilcox. When cities such as East Chicago insist on putting the interests of illegal aliens above those of their own citizenry, they have to be stopped, and we are pleased the court did just that. So, good for the courts in Indiana, uh, good for this group and the plaintiffs in the case, and shame on East Chicago, Indiana. We've got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Should I spoil it for them? Am I? Okay. Am I that guy that spoils it for the poor morning team? Do I do that? So what does it mean when INM switches the new solar farm on? It means more diesel fuel emissions because the solar farm's not going to generate enough power. That's what it means. Uh, <laughs> higher prices. Green energy always means higher prices. Not enough output. That output will have to be subsidized through traditional fossil fuel sources, usually diesel generators. That's how it works. <clears throat> there you go. I spoiled it for the morning team. All right. Um, well, look, to be fair, the morning team might be able to see all of this if if they went to Southwest Vision Center as much as I did. Uh, SWVisionCenter.com, that's where you go. These are the people who care for my eyes, although I did hear that John is going to start going there which is great because John is blind as a bat. He desperately needs help. And I have no doubt that Southwest Vision Center is going to get them all sorted out. If you go to SWVisionCenter.com, you can take a look at all of their amazing services. Most of you know that I have dry eye syndrome. Um, And as I've gotten older, I have an astigmatism now. I didn't used to have that. That was affecting how I was driving at night. Uh, So I actually went through some things to help with my dry eye syndrome. They have a new treatment option available for dry eye syndrome as well, which you can read all about right there at SWVisionCenter.com. And then I also got special lenses with uh, these these lenses that increase the contrast. So when I was driving home from the studio back when I used to go to work, I mean, I did try to go back to work and then ended up getting COVID. But when I when I drive home from the studio um, during certain parts of the year, 
the lighting was not quite bright outside and not yet dark. And it was very difficult to kind of see some of the parts of the road. There's no lights on the road or anything like that. And I just started noticing I was having an issue with some of that. Uh, And I mentioned it to the doctor over at Southwest Vision Center, and they got me some special glasses to wear while I drive at night. And it totally pumps up the contrast. I can see where the edge of the road is. I can see the contrast of the trees and the branches and uh, signs, mailboxes, all of that. And it just makes driving home much safer, much easier. And I didn't realize it, but that was a part of my dry eye syndrome. So if you go to swvisioncenter.com, Make your, excuse me, make your appointment with the location nearest you. And my listeners get discounts at Southwest Vision Center that oftentimes beat their insurance rates. That's how great the discounts are for those of you in my audience. Go to swvisioncenter.com, make your appointment with Southwest Vision Center, and let them know that I sent you for those discounts. <clears throat> All right, what else do we have here? Rayshard Brooks. Do you remember Rayshard Brooks? Rayshard Brooks was the guy who was drunk in the parking lot and then decided to fight with police officers and stole a taser. And then you had the, uh, was it the uh, district attorney? The same district attorney that said that a taser was not a deadly weapon when it was being used against a police officer had previously said that police officers using tasers were using a deadly weapon against suspects. Remember that whole situation in Atlanta? Well, anyway, the police officer who had to uh, shoot Rayshard Brooks because Rayshard Brooks, you know, stole his taser, used it on the officer, uh, was trying to get away while fighting with these police officers. Uh, He has been reinstated. After all this time, Officer Garrett uh, Rolf has been reinstated as a police officer in his department. And uh, what else do we have here? His attorney said, basically, this proves that due process matters Rolf was terminated nearly immediately following the fatal shooting of Rayshard Brooks last summer. A civil board decided on Tuesday that the officer was indeed denied his right to due process. We are very excited that the civil board says the due process, that due process matters. That is the attorney Lance LaRusso. In a statement, uh, according to CNN, LaRusso added that his client's reinstatement will likely take some time, but he intended to get his client back to work. Due to the city's failure to comply with several provisions of the Code of the Information received during witness testimony, the board concludes the appellate has, was not afforded his right to due process. Therefore, the board grants the appeal of Garrett Rolf and revokes his dismissal as an employee of the Atlanta Police Department. <clears throat> yes, they got it right. They got it right. He was hit with felony charges in the death of Brooks a week after the fatal shooting took place in a Wendy's parking lot. The reinstated officer is currently facing 11 counts, including felony murder and assault with a deadly weapon. So he's still got his criminal case, but he's been reinstated as a police officer. He won't be able to actually go out there and serve all this case is pending, but uh, this will help with benefits and pay and that sort of stuff. <clears throat> but again, you know, Rayshard Brooks is the guy who was drunk, who was passed out, Uh, and then fought with police officers, stole the taser, used the taser against the officers. And, you know, again, you have the district attorney out there. I think it was the DA. Uh, I don't think it was the attorney general. I think it was the DA. And, you know, the DA is out there a couple of weeks prior saying that a police officer using a taser against a suspect is using a deadly weapon. 
And then when a suspect steals an officer's taser and uses the taser on the officer, the district attorney says, well, it's not a deadly weapon and therefore deadly force isn't necessary or isn't warranted. And it, it, this is the type of stuff that is going on right now. Following the reinstatement, the Atlanta Police Department emphasized that the board did not make a determination as to whether Officer Roll violated Atlanta Police Department policies. It is important to note that the CSB did not make a determination as to whether Officer Roll violated Atlanta Police Department policies. In light of the CSB's rulings, APD, Atlanta Police Department, will conduct an assessment to determine if additional investigative actions are needed. So, again, the Atlanta Police Department is basically saying um, what they ruled is not that he didn't violate department policies. What they ruled is that his rights were violated. I mean, the officer's rights were violated, which they clearly were. Um, <clears throat> so we will uh, we'll see how this all shakes out. But um, let's see here. Atlanta Police Department detectives assigned to the Rayshard Brooks investigation says that he would have charged Brooks not Rolf, the officer, with 10 counts, including multiple felonies. It was posted by legal analyst Philip Holloway, captioning a screenshot of Hogan's letter. Usually law enforcement are witnesses for the state, but this is from a defense filing. So Philip Holloway basically says the detective in the Rayshard Brooks investigation that detective's determination is that Rayshard Brooks is the one that would be facing 10 felony counts if he were alive, not the police officer. Which is, yeah. I mean, you, you fought with police. You resisted. You physically assaulted both of those officers. You stole one of their tasers. You used the taser against them. You continued to try to use the taser against them while you were running away. But this is, <clears throat> none of that matters, for the record. None of that matters to the, the woke, bottom-feeding dwellers of the, the, the sludge at the bottom of the aquarium of life, because they're just going to go out there and say, well, he was just an innocent guy, you know, he was, he was baby-faced, and he was going to be going to college, and he was going to be a doctor while he was a lawyer, and he was an honor roll student and he played 14 different musical instruments and spoke 20 different languages. And he was a part of the Red Cross and he was a merchant marine and he was this and he was that. And, and in his spare time, he liked to tie balloon animals for all the little kids in the park while giving them free ice cream cherries. That's how the media portrays every single one of these cases. Every single time. Meanwhile, the police officer who's got actual physical wounds on him from the struggle, from the taser barbs that were in his body. He woke up that morning angry, angry that Disney made one non-white princess. And he set out to exact revenge upon every black male that he encountered particularly the ones drunk and passed out in their cars in a Wendy's parking lot. And that was his opportunity because nobody goes to Wendy's late at night. So he was going to kill this guy because of what Disney had done with the skin color of princesses. It's nonsense, but this is the way that the culture war is being fought and it's getting worse because now the guy 
who is the usurper and is sitting in the White House, he wants to tie federal funding to teaching kids that all policing is racist. We'll talk about that coming up. 95.3 MNC. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I'm your host, Casey Hendrickson, and your neighbors have elected me to have a little chat with you. Your windows are ugly. Your house is an eyesore, and you're bringing down the property values of everybody in the neighborhood. Plus, I would imagine that it's probably not all that comfortable inside your house. In the winter, it's probably too cold because you have a cold draft coming through those old, disgusting windows. And I would imagine in the summer, all of that precious money is going right to waste as you have your heaters, uh, your air conditioner on, and it's just going out through those, uh, those cracks in that window. Do yourself a favor. Call Faber's B Window. Get the windows replaced. Windows are consistently one of the best things that you can do for the value of your home. Now, a lot of people will spend a lot of money in various other places of their house doing upgrades and things like that, and they don't ever get a return on that investment. But with windows, you do. Not only do you increase your property values, you make your home look a lot nicer, you improve the curb appeal, and you save money on your power and gas bills. Go to Favors B Window, bwindow.com, and find out why they have been chosen by over 60,000 customers to install over 600,000 windows. They've got windows in pretty much any color that you could possibly think of, so they will match the color of your home. So you don't have to worry about getting a window that clashes with your paint. And what about the hardware? Oh, the hardware will match your decor because they have tons of options with the hardware also. So you can get windows that match the color of your home and you get hardware that match the decor of your home and you're just going to improve the value of your house, your curb appeal, and of course your energy efficiency. And B-Window doesn't just do windows. They do doors. And let's be honest, your door's pretty ugly too, so you should probably get another one of those. And, And they do siding. They do porch conversions. They even do bathroom remodels. I've been meaning to talk to you about that one. But I'm also not the only one telling you that your bathroom needs a remodel. And right now, if you go to bwindow.com, they are offering up to 50% off plus special manufacturer rebates, plus 24 months, no interest, no payments. All you've got to do is go to Faber's B-Window, bwindow.com. Let them know that I sent you. All right. Let's take a look here. <clears throat> Back in, what was it, April, okay, April 19th, okay, back in April 19th, Usurper Biden issued an executive order. Now, this executive order called for, and I quote, an ambitious whole-of-government equity agenda, end quote. Now, in pursuit of that goal, the Department of Education, well, I should say that wasn't back in April. On April 19th, the Department of Education because of the president's executive order, well, not the president, the usurper's executive order, um, on April 19th, the Department of Education proposed a new rule. Now, if this rule is adopted, it would prioritize federal education grants to public K-12 schools that promote critical race theory, the 1619 Project, which even the creator of the 1619 Project now freely admits was never meant to be historically accurate, 
uh, and the work of anti-racist activist Ibram X. Kendi, who calls for unconstitutional racial discrimination against whites and Asians. Uh, they're not an anti-racist activist. We went over Kendi before on this program. So um, there is a, a public commentary period that ends on May 19th, the deadline there. Um, you still have an opportunity to weigh in on this with the Department of Education with your comments. I will link to that in the Daily Show prep today. I highly encourage you to do that. Uh, They're going to do everything they can to tie as much federal money to public schools who teach critical race theory, the 1619 Project, and they promote a racist like Ibram Kendi. So make sure you get involved. I've seen a lot more people involved in their kids' educational life lately. This is a big one. Got more coming up, 95.3 MNC. Ladies and gentlemen, I have been told that foreigners are not supposed to be putting money into our election system. So explain to me how a Swiss billionaire, Hans Swarg Weiss, gave Democrats $135 million in dark money between 2016 and 2020. And, of course, that money went to Center for American Progress and Priorities USA and dozens of others, including Senate Majority PAC and uh, National Democratic County officials and all of that stuff. How is it? You might even call that, ladies and gentlemen, you might even call that foreign influence of our elections. Have a wonderful night. Buy a 3D printer.